happy Wednesday to all y'all. It is finally here, the official start of the 2024 political season, only because we've got our first official debate going down in Milwaukee. The Republican presidential debate, of which Donald Trump says he's not going to participate in, but he's got his own plan for this Wednesday. All of that we're going to go through here on this edition of the Y'all Show. Hello there, John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, back here with you on Super Talk and on great stations across the South, as well as in podcast form. You can catch us as we're available in iHeartRadio, TuneIn, also available in Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and I think I left one out in there, maybe uh, the TuneIn app, did I say that, or iHeart? We got a lot of different ways, and there's even more places you can find the y'all show podcast but just glad that you could take time to find us here and we hope you are enjoying this program all about the south as we'll be here for the next couple hours giving you a mixture of news and sports and so much more in fact let me go ahead and give you the primer of what's coming up on today's y'all show yes we have information on the republican presidential debate vivek ramaswamy he's in the news as he's called a cnn host a where is she from she is from um prattville yeah prattville just north of montgomery alabama caitlin collins and he has called her a petulant child why would he do such a thing on the eve of the presidential debate we'll find out we'll take you to the headlines there plus we've got a former democratic congressman from the state of florida that's now come out and said you know i'm going to challenge rick scott for the U.S. Senate seat in the Sunshine State. We'll give you the information on that. Plus, we got some weather to report. Tropical Storm Harold slamming into Texas with heavy rain. I'll give you the reports out of South Texas there. Plus, an update on Tropical Storm Franklin. I told you on the Tuesday y'all show that I didn't think this thing would be too much of a problem, but we're going to keep our eye on the tropics, and we'll give you an update on Tropical Storm Franklin. Our other headlines include... A story from Nashville where families from the Nashville school shooting have been removed from the special session that just got underway in Nashville that Governor Bill Lee called for the state legislators. We'll give you all the info from the Hill in Nashville. Also, we'll give you an update from Mississippi. I told you a few days ago about how an officer took a 10-year-old into custody after this 10-year-old got caught peeing next to the courthouse well this officer now out of a job in the magnolia state will fill you in there plus a city council member in huntsville alabama has now pleaded guilty to shoplifting and if you're in atlanta it's always stressful going through hartsville jackson airport there as you're connecting and flying around the world well atlanta's doing something to help you out (laughs) they are now offering an ems center within the airport in Atlanta. That's a great, great thing to offer. Plus, in our headlines today, we've got stories from Florida where a county there has banned the Carolina squat. I'll tell you what that is. In Memphis, stores there are using classical music to fight crime. A little Beethoven will go a long way. Plus, in Mississippi, Mike Tyson's cannabis brand is coming your way, Mississippi. Get ready. Hmm. It'll bite your ear off for sure. (laughs) Those are some of our news headlines here on today's 
y'all show. Plus, we've got plenty of sports to get to as well. We're just hours away from the start of college football. But we're going to start off today with some sad news in the sports world. A former member of the Houston Cougars college basketball team, Reggie Chaney, has died at age 23. I'll give you the latest out of Houston again. This guy has helped coach Kelvin Sampson build that program up. Remember, Houston played for the national championship two years ago. And a key member of that Houston Cougars basketball program, Reggie Chaney, dying at the age of 23. All that information coming your way, plus some news from Georgia Tech in terms of college football. They've got a new starting quarterback. It's a name that Aggie fans will be familiar with. Plus, we'll let you know about Reggie Bush. He's filing a defamation lawsuit against the NCAA, the Louisiana native Reggie Bush, fighting back. I'll give you all the information. Plus, down in Tampa, Baker Mayfield named Bucks starting quarterback. All that is part of our headlines from the sports world on this Wednesday Y'all Show. And here in our first hour of the Y'all Show, in addition to all that news and sports We've got hashtag Hullabaloo, where we go on social media and find all kinds of great uh, conversation to tell you about. And we've got Tennessee Peanuts on our mind here in today's Y'all Show hashtag Hullabaloo, plus a summer peach barbecue sauce that we'll get to as well. All that coming up here in our first hour. In our second hour today, in addition to headlines, we've got our spotlight today is on Norman, Oklahoma. There you find the Oklahoma Sooners, and OU is our spotlight school today. We're going to hear from the second-year head coach of the Sooners, Brent Venables, and get his thoughts on his 2023 team. Last year was a complete disaster for Oklahoma football, and Venables has a very short leash as Oklahoma's got this final year of Big 12 play before jumping into the Southeastern Conference. It's all about the Sooners in Hour 2 of today's y'all show as we continue on with our tour across the south getting you ready for the start of college football oklahoma today on thursday's y'all show will be in oxford spotlighting the mississippi Landshark black bear rebels and on friday it's all about the vanderbilt commodores we actually have a very special guest helping us break down vandy football for 2023 seabass of vandy seabass is going to be with me and help me understand what clark lee has done to improve that program right there in music city usa vanderbilt actually has a college football game this saturday as hawaii comes in for a big game at first bank stadium and in honor of that team having their first game the first football game of the sec frankly here in 2023 we're going to get you ready for kickoff with a vanderbilt commodore preview coming up on the friday y'all show so all that that's down the road, but just just so excited to tell you about it. So we wanted to make sure we let the cat out of the bag. Also, in our second hour today, we've got our Southern Business Spotlight, and it appears that UPS workers have reached a deal. Get back to work, y'all. Get back to work and stop worrying about all the hundreds of thousands of dollars you're going to make for delivering dog food. Brian, you hear me? <laughs> So, yeah, we've got information on the Southern Business Spotlight coming up in our second hour today. Our final hour, oh, Megan's going to be back. And she's coming on to talk about this Republican presidential debate that's going on on this Wednesday evening. We'll get her thoughts, maybe what she expects 
from some of the people who we haven't heard a whole lot out of recently, people that are going to hopefully use, for their sake, this Republican presidential debate as a way to catapult their campaigns a lot further down than what they are. Some of these people barely even got into this Republican debate, and Megan and I are going to have some fun walking through the lineup. We actually now know where the folks are going to stand and are, yeah, I think they stand. They don't sit down during this Republican debate. And who we expect to maybe have a little bit of a contentious time up there on stage. With Trump out, I can't imagine anybody really becoming a superstar. But it could happen. This could be a game changer from Milwaukee. It's all about the Republican presidential debate in our third and final hour today with Megan Headwall. Plus, in that final hour, we've got a Southern History Spotlight again. And today marks the anniversary of the burning of Washington, D.C. Believe it or not, back in the War of 1812, the nation's capital was burnt to the ground. At least the White House was and a couple of other federal buildings. And we'll talk about that. How could that have happened? Dolly Madison tried to do something about it. The burning of Washington, that coming up. Plus, we've got a couple of birthday celebrations going on today. How about actress Vera Miles, who's still with us? Vera Miles, born on this day. How about football great Sonny Jurgensen, who played collegiately for the Duke Blue Devils? The Wilmington, North Carolina native is still with us as well. A college football star of the 1950s. He's got a birthday today. We'll celebrate all of that as part of our Southern Spectacular. We'll call it that in our final little bit of this Wednesday Y'all Show. You can be a part of this Y'all Show. We want to hear from you. And one way to do that is to drop us an email. Our email address is mail mail at y-a-l-l dot com. Mail at y'all dot com. It's extremely easy to get in touch with us here on the Y'all Show. And we, we, we just get so much delight from hearing from you. So please keep us in mind. Let's start into our news headlines of the day. And we've got this Republican presidential debate taking place in Milwaukee on this Wednesday evening. And in preparation for that, some of the front runners, if you will, if you take Trump out of the equation, one of the two front runners is political newcomer and Ohio native Vivek Rebaswamy. And he was interviewed by Caitlin Collins of CNN. And it got a little contentious there for Vivek Ramaswamy. While interviewing there at CNN, Caitlin Collins asked him, why do you say 9-11 was an inside job? Ramaswamy replied, I've never said that. She went on to say, oh yeah, here's a video of you not saying it. Ramaswamy goes on social media and says, hilarious interview with CNN last night. Felt like I was talking to a petulant teenager. So I don't understand where Caitlin Collins is coming from by attacking him for something he didn't say. You know, she said that he did not say, I don't understand. I don't know. Maybe she is a petulant teenager. I don't think the Caitlin Collins experiment at CNN is going to work. I don't think Caitlin Collins is worthy of being one of their top people at CNN. And it's nothing against her age. It's nothing against where she's from. Good Lord, I'd be pulling for her. Normally, she's from Alabama. 
but I just don't think I don't know. There's just something not not quite right there. In fact, there's something not quite right with all of CNN's prime time lineup, and that's why they keep shuffling it every five minutes. It makes uh, very little sense. I think CNN ought to go back to the well and bring back some people who've been a part of their programming in years past, some respectable, experienced people that made that network what it was, okay? I shouldn't be judging other broadcasting entities here on this y'all show, but I'm sorry. It comes to mind when Ramaswamy calls one of the main faces of CNN a petulant teenager, and that's that's one of the big stories today. Now, Caitlin Collins was asking the presidential contender about an article in, in The Atlantic in which Ramaswamy questioned how many police or federal agents were on the planes that hit the Twin Towers back in 2001. And he went on to say that he was misquoted. Ramaswamy on CNN's The Source, saying that when I said, what I said is on January 6th, I do believe that there were many federal agents in the field and we deserve to know who they are. On 9-11, what I've said is that the government lied and this incontrovertible evidence, Caitlin, the government lied about Saudi Arabia's involvement. And Collins felt like Ramaswamy was pushing false claims, according to reports. Caitlin Collins, the Prattville, Alabama native, is a 2014 alumnus of the University of Alabama. So she's only been out of school less than a decade and she's got one of the prime time spots on CNN kudos to her for that but I still don't think most of the nation has to put her up there and respect her remember she got real famous over these last six months or so because of that uh, town hall that she pressed President Trump in in New Hampshire I think is where that was and I didn't think it was that I didn't think it was that bold it's not hard to to, to sit, there, sit there and question Donald Trump because anytime you question him, he's out there already talking. You could say, President Trump, where were you in Dallas, Texas in 1963? Were you there on the grassy knoll? And he would still be talking about election interference or something else. He wouldn't be listening. I'm just telling you, that's kind of how Trump works and Trump world works. <laughs> but Caitlin Collins and Ramaswamy having a little dust up on the eve of the Republican presidential debate in Milwaukee on this Wednesday evening. Now, more political news. This comes to us from the state of Florida. It looks like Rick Scott, the current U.S. Senator from Florida and a former governor of the Sunshine State, he's got at least one person announcing that they're going to challenge him in 2024 for one of Florida's two U.S. Senate seats. Debbie Powell announcing that she's going to campaign and try to unseat rick scott she is a florida democrat she beat a republican incumbent to win her only term in congress back in 2018 and then she ended up losing in 2020 to miami-dade county mayor carlos jimenez so she's a one-term congressman but thinks that she can now become a u.s senator for all of the state of florida Rick Scott has served two terms as Florida governor. He won both times 
with less than 50% of the vote. In 2018, Scott was elected to the U.S. Senate. He beat incumbent Bill Nelson by 10,000 votes. And Bill Nelson, now one of the big-time officials with NASA, of course, Bill Nelson, a former astronaut himself. And so this new challenge for Rick Scott comes from South Florida's Debbie Powell, former congressman from the Miami area. She was born in Ecuador, moved to the Miami area when she was 14. So she's got her own, you know, rags to riches background and more. She's going to have to win a primary. It, It looks like there's already been one person that has announced that they're going to be running for U.S. Senate on the Democratic side in Florida in 2024. Phil Ayer, a retired Navy commander from Pensacola. And he has run for a U.S. House seat that Matt Gates has twice already and has beat, been beaten by Gates. So some political news out of the state of Florida today. Let's talk about some weather news out of the state of Texas today. As over the last 24 hours, Tropical Storm Harold has slammed into South Texas with heavy wind and powerful wind, heavy rain and powerful winds in tow with the arrival of Harold around the Brownsville, Texas area. The storm made landfall on the barrier island off the coast of Texas on Tuesday and was moving at a 21 mile per hour rate over South Texas and northern Mexico. The storm dubbed Potential Tropical Cyclone 9 did reach tropical storm strength on Tuesday and it has slammed South Texas with up to 7 inches of rain. So be careful for flooding in the Rio Grande Valley for sure. As the storm made its landfall on Padre Island on Tuesday and was centered about 15 well, it went way inland toward Laredo is what happened to it. So be very, very cautious today if you're driving around that portion of the Rio Grande Valley looking out, mostly not for rain and high winds today, but just for the after effects of Tropical Storm Harold, which again came ashore on Tuesday. Another tropical storm to give you all a heads up about, Tropical Storm Franklin. As it's now nearing Haiti and the Dominican Republic. And so we're keeping an eye on this as it potentially could decide to turn toward the U.S. As it is again hitting the island of Hispaniola today with the Dominican Republic and Haiti, the two nations on Hispaniola. It's going to bring about 10 inches of rain to that island. According to the National Hurricane Center in Miami, the storm centered about 120 miles southwest of Santo Domingo, the capital of the Dominican Republic. So we'll find out where this thing goes beyond these two nations, Haiti and the Dominican Republic. What I saw on Tuesday was this thing was expected to go north out of that area and then ultimately north Maybe it's projected to go northeast of the Bahamas, which means it would go back out into the Atlantic and 
most likely dissipate. Franklin is the seventh named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season, and this hurricane season runs all the way to November 30th. A eighth storm, Gert, dissipated on Tuesday, so some, some good news there from the tropics. A sad news from the NFL to report a terrible, terrible incident around Charlotte as the father of Tennessee Titans cornerback Caleb Farley died in an explosion that destroyed the NFL player's home in Mooresville, North Carolina. Another person injured. And preliminary reports indicate that this was probably caused by a gas leak, but this home just totally demolished and the 61 year old father of the NFL player Robert M. Farley was found dead in the debris of this Mooresville, North Carolina home first responders arrived at the house just after midnight Tuesday and this house had just completely exploded and a a terrible thing the house was on a plot of land near Lake Norman a very nice section of the Charlotte area and the home was a nice home in fact county property records list the tax value of the home as at nearly two million dollars and so we have the loss of the father and the son again a member of the Tennessee Titans Titans coach Mike Vrabel told the team about Caleb's father's loss during a practice in Nashville and players took a knee in an apparent in an apparent prayer and the coach of the Titans said that the team will do everything possible to support Caleb Farley, who was the number 22 overall pick in the 2021 draft. So our thoughts there to that family and a tough loss there with that house. Literally, it looks like exploding on Farley's father. And lastly, in our headlines for this hour of the Y'all Show, don't you go doing that Carolina squat, y'all. At least don't be doing it in Volusia County, Florida, as this county in the Sunshine State has banned a type of pickup truck modification from its beaches because of safety concerns. You don't want to be doing that Carolina squat. The Volusia County Council took up the issue earlier this month at the request of Sheriff Mike Chitwood. And all this was done to assist with safety on the beach. Now, what is the Carolina squat? That's when the front elevated vehicle, the, the of trucks usually, are the truck is uh, elevated. Race, you've seen this thing, surely, haven't you? <laughs> I don't need to explain it too much, but by raising the front of the of the vehicle up, the Carolina squat. It poses a risk to beachgoers because it limits the driver's visibility. The trend is commonly associated with pickup trucks, but any vehicle with its front fender raised or lowered four or more inches greater than the height of the rear fender is included in this band, in this ordinance. And trucks sporting the Carolina squad have been banned entirely in a couple of states already, like the Carolinas, where the Carolina squat came from, it looks like. <laughs> it's also banned on beaches in Virginia. But, yeah, the point is, by raising the front of the car up so much, the driver can't really see over the hood. And so when these uh, 
morons go up and down beaches that can run over people out there laying out on the sand makes a lot of sense that's why you want to ban it and in volusia county florida no more squatting carolina style that's government making positive legislation there in the sunshine state we'll have more headlines as we go forward on today's y'all show but when we come back we've got a look at some southern sports news of the day reggie bush making headlines he's fighting back plus we'll tell you about the tragic loss of a former member of the houston cougars basketball team that is right ahead on y'all coming for the foes of all mankind. They must answer to the people and it's troubling their mind. Everybody who must fear them will rejoice on that great day when the powers of dictators shall be taken all away. There'll be smoke on the water on the land and the sea when our army and navy overtakes the enemy. There'll be smoke on the mountains where the heathen gods stay And the sun that is shining will go down on that day for that one that was the first number one song for bob wills and his texas playboys little smoke on the water we're back here on the y'all show with a little texas swing yeah or is that guy i don't know if that's bob wills that makes that sound or not but most of all his songs have that guy going wow (laughs) i'm not very good at that sound but you know what i'm talking about oh good music here on the y'all show glad to be back with you as we're rolling through this opening hour of our Wednesday edition, let's give you some news out of the sports world and more. And we've got some sad news coming from the world of college basketball as a member of the Houston Tex- uh, Houston Cougars rather, college basketball team from just a few years back has died suddenly at such a young, young age. And Remember, the Houston Cougars have been a very good basketball team with Kelvin Sampson guiding that program. They played for the national championship just just two years ago. And Reggie Chaney has died from that team. He was 23 years old. A forward on that Cougars team that reached the Final Four. Kelvin Sampson called Chaney the ultimate teammate and the epitome of Cougar basketball culture. Samson added that Cheney was due to leave August 28th to begin a professional career in Greece. And he has graduated. Kelvin Sampson put out a, a post after the loss of this young man with him in his graduation gown. 
Hmm. And even had the following little statement about Reggie Chaney. First in his family to graduate from college, reached his dream of signing a professional basketball contract. He was leaving Monday, August 28th for Greece. A son, a grandson, a brother, the ultimate teammate, the identity of our Cougar basketball culture, a winner. Thank you, God, for allowing Reggie to come into our lives. Rest rest easy, Reg. Your legacy will live on forever. I love you and will miss you dearly. Those are the words from the head coach of the Houston Cougars, Kelvin Sampson, again, as this 23-year-old basketball player who was going to be leaving the U.S. to go play professionally in the nation of Greece here in just a couple of days, dying. He was found dead after a family friend discovered him unresponsive in a bedroom in an apartment in Arlington, Texas on Monday and pronounced dead at the scene. Foul play not expected. There is an investigation. Chaney, a native of Tulsa, played his first two seasons at the University of Arkansas before transferring on to Houston for his final three years of basketball. He was a six-foot-eight forward and again helped the Cougars get all the way to that national championship game. Hmm. Sad story there for Reggie Chaney, the loss of this college basketball player. Other headlines across the Southeast. This involves a football story or two. Georgia Tech is named Haynes King its starting QB. Haynes King might be familiar with SEC fans as he was a Texas A&M quarterback and transferred into Georgia Institute of Technology. Haynes King opened each of the past two seasons as Jimbo Fisher's starting quarterback in Aggieland, but transferred to Tech in December, and he had been competing with redshirt freshman Zach Pyron for the head coach for the head for the starting quarterback job for head coach Brent Key, the new coach there at Georgia Tech, his alma mater, by the way, and so now. Haynes King is your Georgia Tech QB. Tech opens its season September 1st against the Louisville Cardinals. That's a ACC game at home on that Friday of the opening weekend of college football. And then, it won't be but about two weeks later, the Jackets pack up and go to Vault Hemingway Stadium where Haynes King will be back in SEC country taking on Lane Kiffin's Mississippi team. Haynes King, a native of Longview, Texas, and was rated by ESPN as the nation's number three dual threat quarterback and the number 46 overall player in the 2020 class. And now, leaving Texas for the bright lights of Atlanta, where he'll skipper the Yellow Jackets in 2023. Former USC Trojan Reggie Bush, the New Orleans area native, has now filed a defamation lawsuit against the NCAA. His lawyers filing this, and this lawsuit, according to a statement from law firm McCathern PLLC, says the lawsuit is based on the NCAA maliciously attacking Reggie Bush's character through a completely false and highly offensive statement that was widely reported in the media and substantially and irreparably damaged 
his reputation. Hmm. I thought Reggie Bush's actions were what damaged his reputation, not an NCAA statement, but the NCAA statement in question was issued to ESPN along with other media outlets back in 2021 in response to an inquiry about the possibility of Bush having his records and participation restored in light of the changes to NIL within the NCAA. Remember, Reggie Bush had his Heisman Trophy taken away and a lot of other things because of his making money off of his name, image, and likeness. There is an underground movement, by the way, to get Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy back. In fact, the Heisman Trophy Trust has maintained that because Bush's 2005 season was vacated by the NCAA, he's not eligible to win the Heisman anymore. But if the NCAA were to restore his records, it is expected that the Heisman Trophy for Bush would be returned. Hmm. A complicated story. But again, this whole NIL makes it even more complicated of today. But that wasn't the case back when USC and Reggie Bush were going up against teams like Texas for national championships. And in that case, they lost to the Horns. Baker Mayfield once played college football in Texas and then did a really good job in the state of Oklahoma. In fact, he won a Heisman Trophy with the Oklahoma Sooners. And Baker Mayfield, who spent last year on the roster of the Carolina Panthers and the Los Angeles Rams and has been kind of a traveling circus over the last few years in the NFL, Baker Mayfield picked up the starting quarterback gig for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the head coach of the Bucks, Todd Bowles, named him starting QB on Tuesday. Of course, Baker Mayfield picked number one in the 2018 draft by the Cleveland Browns. He beat out for the Bucks job here for 2023, the second round draft pick of the Bucks of 2021, former Gator quarterback Kyle Trask. We'll see if Baker Mayfield can do better in Tampa than in what he did in Charlotte last year. It was not a pretty scene there for him. And uh, as a guy who watches that NFL team a good bit, the biggest problem he had was he couldn't get the ball over the line of scrimmage. Baker Mayfield's a short quarterback. And so whenever he's out scrambling, trying to get the ball downfield, it's hard to pass the ball when the defensive line are up there swatting the ball down as it travels toward, toward your expected receiver. And there's nothing he can do about that unless he comes out there with a ladder and stands on it. <laughs> but to his credit, I thought he did have a better back half of 2022 when he got on with the Rams and led them to a few wins, I think. I'm trying to remember how the Rams fared last year not well enough evidently remember Matthew Stafford went out and that's part of the reason they went back to the well and got it Baker Mayfield who had been essentially cut I think he was cut maybe he was traded to the Rams I can't really remember it was not the best of seasons for the Panthers in 2022 a season of which they early on remember got rid of Christian McCaffrey that was definitely a trade 
But the NFL, again, they're wrapping up things this week in terms of preseason. The NFL's preseason schedule is going to wrap up this week with games primarily Thursday and Friday. In fact, let me pull that up real quick. Thursday's games, Pittsburgh at Atlanta, Colts at Philly, and then Friday you got the Detroit Lions in Charlotte to take on the Panthers. The Patriots will be in Nashville taking on the Titans in the final preseason game for those teams. Chargers will be at San Francisco. And I had forgotten, the NFL now has a whole week in between the last preseason game and the opening weekend of football. So after this preseason game, there's two weeks before the opening game. And that's why I was wrong on them trying to have all these games on a Thursday, Friday situation. We got games on Saturday and Sunday. Do we have one on Monday? Nope. Saturday's games, there's a bunch of them in the NFL preseason games, and then there's even Sunday's Texans at New Orleans Saints game that will be a primetime matchup on Fox Sunday evening from the Caesars Superdome in the Big Easy. But that's what the NFL's got in store for their final, the third week of preseason football. They used to have four. Now they've got three because they added a 17th game to the regular season of NFL football. And that's where we stand with things here in our Southern Sports Report for this opening hour. When we come back on y'all, we're going to wrap up this first hour with a look at hashtag Huddlebaloo. I'm going to tell you about peanuts in the state of Tennessee, and we'll have a summer peach barbecue sauce to tell you all about. And that is coming up right after this break. Tim McGraw sing that number one song a million times, and 
I never really quite knew what the heck he was saying when that song first starts off. <laughs> and so I pulled up the lyrics here while that was playing. And Creek goes rippling by. That's the opening line to watch the wind blow by. So, yeah, we educate you here on the Y'all Show. This fella out of Start, Louisiana has had quite a career, Mr. McGraw. We're going to wrap up this opening hour of the Y'all Show up with a little hashtag hullabaloo where we go on social media and find out some great things. And we're going to start off with the Tennessee Peanut Company at Tennessee Peanut on X from the back roads of the South to Nashville, Tennessee, traditional and artisan roasted peanuts, plus goods that strive to honor the history of Tennessee Hill Country. I think there's hills in every portion of Tennessee now that I think of it, so I don't know exactly where they are. I'm going to assume they're in the middle portion of Tennessee. That's just an assumption I'm making. But Tennessee Peanut Company has put a tweet out this week that says, Enjoy our peanuts anywhere. Our packaging makes enjoying these peanuts easy to do from anywhere. Grab a can on your way to the garage and enjoy. And they got a great picture there. The X account is Tennessee Peanut. Check it out. Peanuts in the volunteer state. And they got them nice and packaged up for you. So you can go to that garage. What if I don't want to go to the garage? What if I want to go to, let's say, a football game and have your delicious artisan roasted peanuts from the Tennessee Peanut Company? I think that would be a nice fit, too. Of course, I know boiled peanuts go real well at baseball games I don't know how often people have boiled peanuts at a college football game for example I don't think that's necessarily a a common thing one of my great memories of the old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium is I went to see a game there and I'll never forget back in those days and it may still be the case even at the new stadium Truist Park but Braves fans were greeted with people out there on the street selling you boiled peanuts going into a Braves game back in the uh, the good old days, the Dale Murphy days. And I love that aspect. Boiled peanuts and baseball, at least for the Braves here in the South. That's, you know, that's America's team. I don't know if y'all know that or not. They're definitely America's boiled peanut team. <laughs> Bootsy's BBQ is the account at Bootsy's BBQ Funk bringing 100 years of Delta smoke barbecue sauces, rubs, and delicious funky attitude to America and beyond. You can follow Bootsy's BBQ again at the account at Bootsy's BBQ Funk. This is a brand that's based out of, I believe it's Bahalia in North Mississippi is where Bootsy's Barbecue is based. And they put a tweet out that said, Summer Peach Barbecue Sauce is back in stock at LB's Meat Market in Oxford. And I have been to LB's Meat Market, great little place in Oxford, Mississippi. And it looks like you can go there and get a taste of the Delta with their summer peach barbecue sauce as LB's Meat Market has that Bootsy's BBQ style summer peach barbecue sauce back in stock. Hmm, yummy. I think I've been to LB's and enjoyed, it's been a long time, their meat and three that they had there. It's a little small place not overly huge there at, in Oxford just down from the Kroger is where that's located and 
if you want to go check it out. But they got that Bootsy's BBQ Summer Peach Barbecue Sauce. Hey, sounds like a great plan. We'll be back for hour two of the Y'all Show. We're going to have a lot of great stuff, so don't miss out on the fun of the show about the South. on the y'all show for our second hour hope y'all are doing well on this wednesday john raw the general of all things southern that's what my name is and glad to have you as we welcome you into our army of southern conversation we got a very busy and exciting second hour of today's y'all show we'll pick up with more headlines from across the southeast as well as a spotlight on the oklahoma sooners ou boomer sooner as Brent Venable's team tries to improve their situation, <laughs> their final year in the Big 12 this year before they move over to the SEC, it's all about Oklahoma. And we'll have that as part of our latest stop on our tour across the Southeast, getting you ready for the start of college football season. OU in just a little bit. And then before the hour is up, we've got a Southern Business Spotlight. And in that information that we'll be passing along, UPS, they've had a deal reach between their workers so they will not have a strike and ups workers will get paid a lot of money so if you've got any ups workers out there that owe you money now's the time to give them a ring and say hey buddy remember that money i gave you it's time to pay the piper all that's coming up in our southern business spotlight before we get out of here in this second hour in our final hour today we've got megan headwall dropping by and she and i are going to have some fun talking about Wednesday night's Republican debate that's going on in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What are the expectations for that? Megan and I will discuss in our final hour. Plus, we'll have Southern history to pass along, including today marks the anniversary of the burning of Washington, D.C. in the War of 1812. All that is coming up on y'all. If you'd like to participate, we'd love to hear from you. Our number to text anytime 24 hours a day seven days a week 615-208-4184 you can email us m-a-i-l mail at y-a-l-l dot com love to hear from you let's dive back into the news headlines of the day again we do have this republican presidential debate going on in milwaukee a battleground is wisconsin therefore the republican national convention decided to have their first presidential debate in wisconsin remember going back to 2016 that first presidential debate was in ohio 
I think it was in the Cleveland area, which is also where they ended up having the Republican convention in 2016. And is that where, is Wisconsin where the 2024 Republican convention is? You know, sadly, I hadn't even thought about it. I bet you it is. Let me see where, this is important information, y'all. I need to tell you what's going on with political happenings of the world. And for whatever reason, I haven't paid much attention. I think the Democrats are getting, maybe, maybe, hold on a second. Republican, 2024, Republican convention for Republicans is going to be in Milwaukee. Okay. What about Democrats? So the Republicans get together in Milwaukee. They got together in Charlotte in 2020. The Republicans did. Okay. But it was hardly hardly covered because, hey, COVID was going on. Trump was your incumbent. It's not that big of a deal. The Democrats are having their 2024 national convention in Chicago. Late August of 2024. So, okay, there, there we have it. We've got, we got you up to date, up to date on the conventions of the world. In case you want to book your travel arrangements now. Speaking of politics, Rick Scott doesn't need to be traveling too far outside of Florida. It looks like he's going to have at least one challenger for his U.S. Senate seat in the Sunshine State on Tuesday. The one-term congressman from South Florida, Debbie Powell announcing that she's going to be going up against Rick Scott as he tries to win another term as the U.S. Senator alongside Marco Rubio from the Sunshine State. Now, this lady is a, I guess you would call her not a refugee, I guess she would be a new citizen to this country, essentially. She came from Ecuador as she moved to the Miami area when she was 14. She came to this country as a youngster and ended up living in a one-bedroom apartment with her family as a teenager before working in a donut shop to help with expenses before going on to work with nonprofit organizations and in higher education. From donut maker to possibly a U.S. senator is this lady who was a one-term congressman in South Florida. She got beat by the mayor of Miami-Dade County beat her out in 2020 and now she's trying to move on to become a U.S. Senator going up against Rick Scott. There's another person from the Pensacola area that's already announced that he's running also on the Democratic side to go up against Rick Scott for U.S. Senate in 2024. There's some Tropical Storm news to tell you about. Tropical Storm Herald slammed into South Texas on Tuesday. Padre Island was where it came ashore, moving about 21 miles per hour over South Texas and North Mexico. This storm bringing lots of rain, and that rainfall continuing as the storm pushed inland toward Laredo late on Tuesday. It's been a very drought-stricken area, so the rainfall is going to be beneficial, just hopefully not too much we're already seeing out in California and Nevada what that storm that went through there over the weekend causing so much devastation there now from a flooding aspect up in the mountains of California and in Nevada as well. 
while this tropical storm Harold hit South Texas, there's another tropical storm Franklin that's catching forecasters' eyes as this thing currently is over the island of Hispaniola, which is the Dominican Republic and Haiti are the two islands or two nations on that island, and it's affecting those countries now and is expected to head out of there and maybe head toward the Bahamas very soon. So be advised if you like to follow weather and like to kind of follow tropical storms specifically, you've got now tropical storm Franklin popping up on the weather radar. Elsewhere in our stories across the southeast today, clemency is now being recommended to a Louisiana mother who's in prison. Tiffany Woods has been in prison for the death of her baby. She's been in prison 17 years. Get this. This woman went to prison because her baby, Emmanuel, died. And do you know how her baby, Emmanuel, died? It's because instead of feeding the baby formula, this woman gave him cow milk. And that killed her young child more than 17 years ago. And now clemency is being recommended to this mother in this Louisiana prison. She says that she was, this was right after Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana. She told a parole board in Louisiana this week that I was stressed out, I was depressed, I was lonely, my family wasn't around me, I didn't know they were alive, and I made poor choices. Her family went to Shreveport after Katrina passed through Louisiana and said she was getting baby formula through the WIC program, but at some point she ran out of the free formula, and so she changed the baby's formula to organic milk. She says, and due to my choices, I thought I was making the right choice, but clearly I didn't. And a couple of months in, he passed away, her, her baby. Her newborn died months after Woods gave birth to the child as it died from malnutrition. Prosecutor, the prosecutor who sent Woods to prison on a life sentence, Suzanne Ellis of Caddo Parish, pushed for words. She's pushing for Woods to serve the full sentence. I don't know. This is a, a weird one. The World Health Organization estimates undernutrition leads to 2.7 million child deaths annually, or 45% of all child deaths, all because of undernutrition. A doctor from Greenville, Mississippi, Dr. Lakeisha Richardson, says when struggling families get tight on money for baby formula, they may turn to dangerous methods to feed their infants. The point is, y'all, do not give cow's milk to your baby. Giving cow's milk not recommended in the second half of the first year. Pediatricians say it doesn't have enough iron and can lead to anemia. And unfortunately, a lot of these young mothers aren't going in to see their pediatrician and so they're getting some bad advice from family members and more and that's a a problem that continues on and so the Louisiana Parole Board 
has voted to recommend that Miss Woods be released. And now the matter is now in the hands of Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards, who's vowed to reduce the number of people incarcerated in the Pelican State. Again, this woman's now served 17 years in prison for the death of her infant, all because she gave him cow milk instead of formula or breast milk. Unfortunate situation from Louisiana. To Nashville and families who have ties to the Covenant School are on the hill there in Nashville where the state capitol is located. Governor Bill Lee has called a special session to deal with gun violence and other issues in the volunteer state. And this family, or families, plural, have now been essentially removed from the Tennessee special session. There was an emotional scene on Tuesday when they were removed. And one person named Sarah Shoup Newman said that she was supposed to speak. I was supposed to testify. As a parent whose child attends the Covenant School, this woman is among family members who are trying to address the state's relaxed gun laws after a shooter opened fire inside that Nashville School, Covenant Presbyterian School there in the Green Hills section. That shooting earlier this year killed three children and three adults, staff members of that school. Now, this woman was later allowed back to testify against a bill that allows for more teachers to carry guns at school. A House subcommittee in Tennessee advanced the bill, though its odds appear longer to get passed in the Tennessee Senate. So, once again, in the news, not necessarily that they're getting together, but the story of people being removed from this political debate in Nashville. Remember, you got this so-called Tennessee Three now of Democratic state representatives who got kicked out of the state house because they went in there with bullhorns and caused a ruckus and violated the rules of the Tennessee legislature. They get kicked out and now they become superheroes. And here it looks like some some people within the Tennessee state government are telling these family members to go away, although it looks like just temporarily. But that's not a good sign. That's not a good look. Again, they're having a special session, Governor Billy calling in the legislators of Tennessee for this primarily effort to, to look at changing some of the rules in terms of guns and safety in schools and more. And it could get heated more and more as we go forward in Nashville in the coming days. An update on a story out of the state of Mississippi to tell you about. A police officer in Senatobia who took part in the arrest and jailing of a 10-year-old child who urinated in a parking lot. That police officer is no longer employed by the Senatobia Police Department in northwest Mississippi. And other officers are going to be disciplined over the incident, according to the police chief of Senatobia, Richard Chandler. Announcing in a Facebook post Monday, the chief said he didn't specify whether the officer who has left the department was fired or quit or what type of discipline the other officers would face. The chief didn't immediately reply to a 
effort to get further information about the changes. The 10-year-old's mother told Memphis area news outlets that her son urinated behind her vehicle while she was visiting a lawyer's office in downtown Senatobia back on August 10th and that officers then put their the, the young kid, the 10-year-old, put that kid in a squad car and down to the police station. The child was not handcuffed or charged and the officers issued a citation for a child in need of services and that Evidently, the officer that made all that happen now no longer with the Senatobia, Mississippi Police Department. Out of a job after taking this 10-year-old into custody for urinating in public. Story from the Rocket City of Huntsville, Alabama. A city councilman of Huntsville has now pleaded guilty to two counts of misdemeanor shoplifting. Council member Devin Keith. A second-term member of the Huntsville City Council agreed to a plea deal as his trial was going to begin Tuesday. The 34-year-old arrested back in February and charged with four counts of shoplifting as he's alleged to have stole merchandise from three different Walmart stores in Huntsville. The charges were dropped as part of a deal, and council member Devin Keith is going to pay nearly $465 in restitution for the amount from all four cases. That's not fair. He pleaded guilty? A plea deal? So he did it? And all he's got to do is pay back $465 in restitution and not have this lead him to, to jail or get kicked off the Huntsville City Council? That's rather wild. The Madison County, Alabama District Judge, Patty Demas, gave Keith a 90-day suspended sentence and two years probation for the first charge. For the second charge, given a 180-day suspended sentence and 50 hours of community service. He's also been permanently banned from Walmart. Well, that's not a bad thing there, Councilman. The Chief Deputy District Attorney, Tim Gann, said that after the hearing that Keith received the same treatment as any other person charged with shoplifting. This man first elected to the Huntsville City Council back in 2016 and re-elected in 2020. Not sure if this guilty plea is going to affect his future on the Huntsville, Alabama City Council, but you got a, a shoplifter serving in the higher echelon of government in one of Alabama's most famous city, and in fact, Huntsville is Alabama's largest city. If you're going to be passing through Atlanta, at least through the airport of Atlanta anytime soon, some good news, especially if you've got issues with your health or you're scared to travel. Heck, flying on an airplane might make you want to have a heart attack. Well, great news, as there are so many medical emergencies that happen at Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, the busiest airport in the world. Atlanta has now cut ribbon on the nation's first on-site airport triage center. It's an entire health clinic right in the middle of Atlanta and in, in, in the middle of the Atlanta airport. Airport officials say They transport around 2,000 people to emergency rooms each year. And this new center in the middle of Atlanta's airport could help reduce the number while still providing adequate medical care. 
How about that? Going to go into surgery right down from the baggage claim in Atlanta's airport. And a lot of you go through that airport all the time because it is the world's busiest airport. My goodness, if you've never got out of that airport and driven around the Atlanta airport in a car, as I have, waiting on, I've been down there to pick people up. The plane's coming in nonstop. Nonstop. It's something out of this world. Now, to Memphis we go, and if you're in Walgreens stores in Memphis, you might notice a sound that you haven't heard at Memphis Walgreens store. As this drugstore chain has begun blasting, I mean blasting, classical music in some of its parking lots to drive away loiters. Walgreens, in a statement, said, At various locations, we have implemented a recorded music loop that plays outside of the store to help deter loitering on the premises. We take steps to ensure the music is only loud enough for the immediate area around the store and cannot be heard by residents in surrounding neighborhoods. (laughs) I like classical music. I think I'm going to go shop at Walgreens now to hear what this is all about. Oh, let me see here. There's one at uh, the corner of Poplar and Cleveland in Memphis that you can go hear this classical music. A customer outside of that location said, if people don't want to hear it, they stay here too long, I think it's good. A mobile camera system has been blasting the classical tunes at this Poplar and Cleveland location for about a week. Also, the Walgreens at Union and Pauline has been serenading customers with classical music for several weeks. It's not a temporary thing. It looks like that classical music will drive away those panhandlers. Some people don't think it's going to make much of a difference. But I think it could help. Anything to get those people out of there. Leave me alone. Walgreens has been trying the tactic at stores across the country, but it hasn't said if it's helping with their vacancy problem or not. But anything, it can't hurt. That's that's how I feel. So some Beethoven and Bach when you're out going to Walgreens to get your favorite Walgreens supplies, whatever that might be. I'll tell you, I used to live at a just down the street from a Memphis Walgreens. And my favorite thing would be to go into there and get their Walgreens branded. I think it's called Life or something like that. They got a really good pizza, a good Walgreens branded. They only, it's not, it may not have Walgreens. I think it's called like Life or something like that. It's been a couple of years. But they have a very good frozen pizza that they sell only at Walgreens. So you can thank me later. <laughs> And with that, I'm going to go get my oven turned on right now and get it going so I can get me another good frozen. I haven't had a frozen pizza in a while now that I think about it. Hmm. Perfect, perfect meal for a lot of us across the southeast is a good frozen pizza. That wraps up our news headlines for this middle hour of our Wednesday Y'all Show. Hang on. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to Boomer Sooner Country as the Oklahoma Sooners are getting ready to redeem what was a horrible 2022 season on the college football gridiron. And we're going to pick up our college tour across the southeast and we'll go to Big 12 country, at least for one more year, Big 12 country, Norman, Oklahoma, as Brent Venables and company are going to try to get things turned around and go out in style this year in the Big 12. 
We'll preview the 2023 Oklahoma season, and we'll tell you about some of the traditions that you can find when you go to an Oklahoma game day in Norman. All that right ahead on Y'all Before the Hour is Up. We've got also a Southern Business Spotlight to tell you about. So don't miss out on the fun here at Y'all. You can email us anytime, mail at yall.com, and we will be right back. tunes in all of college football and college sports the fight song boomer sooner from oklahoma we're back on the y'all show we've been on a little tour getting you ready for the start of the 2023 college football season we've been profiling schools across the entire southland and we're going to take you to the edge of the southland today for the sooners as they get ready for their final season of big 12 play john rawl back here with you and Brent Venables is getting ready to enter his second season in Norman. Last year was a complete disaster for Oklahoma football. The worst season they'd had in quite some time. And Venables <laughs> entering this year is hoping that he can get past the disaster that was a 6-7 and seven 2023-2022 season. A season of which they went 3-6 and six in the Big 12. They somehow made it to a bowl game, and that was because they were able to beat Oklahoma State in Bedlam. <laughs> and if they hadn't have won that game, I don't think they would have gone to a bowl game at all. Then they did go play Florida State in the bowl game and lost to the Knowles 35-32 down in Orlando. And that's how they wrapped up 2022. So they've got this season here ahead of them that Brent Vittables better get his you-know-what in gear or he will be out of Norman real quickly. The Sooners open their season at home against the Arkansas Red Wolf Indians. That game set for the opening Saturday of football, September 2nd. Going to be an 11 o'clock kick on ESPN. How about that? Arkansas State getting a big ESPN appearance against OU on that September 2nd game day. The Sooners will be at home week two. SMU comes to town for a game. They'll be traveling to Tulsa as they'll be playing the Golden Hurricane, a rare appearance there in that portion of the Sooner State. The Golden Hurricane and OU get together on September 16th. Cincinnati is the opponent. They'll be in Cincinnati taking on the Bearcats, now a Big 12 member Cincinnati. That game set for September 23rd. Iowa State comes to Norman September 30th. It's the last time these two teams get together as members of the Big 12. Texas and OU from the Cotton Bowl Stadium 
in Dallas, October 7th. The Red River Rivalry. Yeah, I love it. One of the best traditions of college football is that game. UCF is a new Big 12 member, and they come to Norman on October 21st. The Sooners take their show to Lawrence for a game against the Jayhawks of Kansas October 28th. Bedlam will be at Stillwater this year. That game, November 4th. The Sooners welcome in the West Virginia Mountaineers on November 11th. And then they've got a couple of games left. A first trip out to Provo as BYU, another Big 12 member. BYU and Oklahoma get together in Provo November 18th. And then the final Big 12 contest, at least regular season, will be against TCU, the team that played for the national championship. This is going to be the day after Thanksgiving. It's going to be a high noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central kick. It's already being announced. This game's going to be on the Fox Network just after Turkey Day on that Friday. TCU and Oklahoma from Norman. And that is a look at the schedule that Brent Vittable's team has set up for 2023. I don't see a lot of wins coming this year for Oklahoma. I really don't. I don't know what what happened there when Lincoln Riley left to go to USC, but he took evidently a whole lot of the mojo that Oklahoma uses with him because Oklahoma usually finds a way to magically get right there in the in the hunt when football season winds down. They were nowhere near it last year. Brent Vittables doing his dangness to change things. This is the guy that was for more than a decade Clemson's defensive coordinator. Remember the guy that would get all mad on the sideline and and yell and do all of his antics? Well, that was good enough to get him the job as Oklahoma's head football coach after Lincoln Riley took off for the bright lights of Tinseltown. Brent Venables spoke earlier in the week about fall camp and what's going on with his Sooner football team. Let's go in and hear from the head coach of Oklahoma for just a moment here on the Y'all Show. Developing the team, I like our, our leadership. Uh, again, great strain, uh, great competition, uh, but trying to grow, continue to grow the team up. I had uh, 114 plays, uh, not including 13 uh, plays of special teams on uh, Saturday. And we came out of it uh, uh, really relatively healthy. And, uh, and uh, we might have a guy here or there with a pull or something, but uh, it was really, really good and a lot to teach from off the tape. Far from perfect, we still got a long way to go. Uh, not coach speak, we just got a lot, we got to improve on. And uh, we've got, again, from, from Saturday, three weeks, and every day counts, we're a week away from school starting, so we got to make all these days count. And uh, I'd like the spirit of the team, we're in a good spot. All right, that's Brent Venables, head coach of Oklahoma, again, speaking to reporters after his most recent scrimmage there in Norman, Oklahoma. The Arkansas State Red Wolves, again, the opening opponent for OU September 2nd. That game, 12 Eastern, 11 o'clock Norman time. If you're able to go to Norman for a game, if you're able to soak in Oklahoma, we've got some traditions to tell you about as the Oklahoman newspaper has put out some of the great traditions that you'll find on a game day in Norman. So we go to the website, oklahoman.com. O'Connell's is a tradition that you'll find in Norman. And while you can no longer leave the stadium in halftime and jog across Lindsay Street for a quick burger and beer, O'Connell's remains a Norman tradition more than 50 years after it opened. 
It's a, uh, a place known far and wide in Norman, evidently. And it's packed on game days during and after Oklahoma football games. O'Connell's, write that one down. Don't want to miss that when you're hanging out in Norman, Oklahoma. Another tradition that you might want to check out when you're in Oklahoma for a game, the Walk of Champions, about two and a half hours before kickoff. If you head to the South Plaza of the stadium there, you can find this Walk of Champions. It started back in 2014. OU cheerleaders fire up the crowd in a pep rally-like atmosphere as the team arrives and walks off the bus to plenty of fans there for the Walk of Champions for Oklahoma football. Another tradition just off campus on Classen Boulevard is the Mont. It's one of the most popular stops on game day. You can get there early for a spot on the patio, and if you're of age, try the spot's signature drink, the Sooner Swirl. And the Sooner Swirl is a frozen mix of margarita and sangria. Uh, it's got a lot of kick, according to the author of this article there. The Mont in Norman, Oklahoma. You can get your game day vibe going for sure with this destination and that special drink there, the Sooner Swirl. Yikes. Another tradition at Oklahoma on game days, party at the Palace. This is a pregame event. Used to be known as Sooner Fan Fest. It begins three and a half hours before kickoff at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. And this pregame event is on the lawn north of the stadium and it features music, food, vendors, sponsor giveaways, and it's the home of the Oklahoma Sooners pregame radio show. Party at the Palace on a game day in Norman, Oklahoma. And then lastly, likely the most famous tradition of Oklahoma football and Oklahoma game days is to yell Boomer Sooner. And you'll have a lot of people yelling that out on a game day probably win or lose frankly but during and after the game the call and response chant is the most powerful in the stadium there and the Oklahoma cheerleaders signal for one half of the crowd to yell boomer and the other half responds with sooner and then they got the little boomer sooner wagon that comes out on the field and circles around and it's a, it's a lovely thing I have not been to a Oklahoma football game at Norman I don't think I've ever seen Oklahoma play football now that I think about it but I've seen them a million times just like most of you have on television and they are one of the premier programs in college football with all those national championships all the Heismans and more and boomer sooner to you OU as you're getting ready for a big season and hopefully for your sake a much improved 2023 season because let's be honest last year was a complete train wreck in Norman and if Venables doesn't get it fixed this year they're going to have a new coach and that's the spotlight of the Oklahoma Sooners here on this Wednesday y'all show tune in Thursday we've got a look at the University of Mississippi Friday it's all about the Vanderbilt Commodores as we've been on this tour going across college football getting you ready for the start of football. Vanderbilt's got a home game on Saturday, this Saturday, against Hawaii. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we've got a Southern business report we'll tell you about. What's going on with UPS? All that is coming up, so don't miss out.
She likes them UPS men. No. <laughs> you don't? No. You prefer FedEx men? <laughs> Neither. Okay. You don't like getting packages? Mm-mm. You don't? Okay. Well, no, I do. You do? You like yeah. getting things in the mail? Yeah. Ma- mail or, or well, delivery? The mail, delivery, as long as it's not like hate mail, right? No. Oh, <laughs> Which I'm get, really working hard towards that on you, this show, you aren't got I? It. Especially coming up in hour three. She's already told me I've got a lot to say about this Republican presidential debate going on on this wednesday but yes ups man song by request not from you but by some guy named blue sent that in why would a guy want to request a ups man song i'm not sure but we have ups on our mind megan they have approved a new labor deal and they're going to get a lot more money what Uh do you think of that Mm. they're going to get raises for both part-time and full-time workers and workers started voting on this new contract august 2nd and it has now been passed with 86.3 percent yeah it sounds like shipping prices are about to go up yeah, to cover this i would think so yeah. i would think so it's the highest contract vote in the history of teamsters at ups let me see if i can't get some money some money amount ups and teamsters the union there represents about three hundred forty thousand workers at ups they reached a preliminary deal last month to avoid a strike. UPS moves $3.8 billion worth of goods a day, about half of that going to Megan's house. <laughs> and they've got this deal now. Part-time workers will make no less than $21 an hour as a result of this deal. That is up from $15.50, which is what it is now. So they're getting over a $5 raise from this new deal. Full-time workers will average $49 an hour. Wow. Is that about what you're getting here at the Y'all Show? Something like that. UPS drivers will average $170,000 annually in pay and benefits at the end of the five-year deal. Hmm. I think I'm going to go get me a brown shirt and start toting the mail. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what they do. They don't deliver the mail, but... They, they are effective, usually, to their credit. I do like their tracking, and they yeah. generally are pretty good, but that's a lot of money. for. Yeah, and those shipping prices, like I said, they are going to have to go up quite a bit to cover this and This is expense. a private company, and, and Megan's right. Yeah, they might want to give their workers $170,000 a year to drive around on a truck, but who's going to pay for that? You and I are going to pay for that, Megan. Yeah. Every time we order something, mm-hmm. it's going to cost... So much more. I'm just so mad that so many UPS places now, it's hard to even ship UPS 
because they've cut out their hubs. They've got their oh, little yeah. shipping places, mm-hmm. and they put them all, a lot of cases, they put them in their UPS stores. Yeah. And that's our, I'm sorry, that's a ripoff. It's not convenient. Have you ever had to go in there and get them to help you ship something? Yes, I have. They charge you like $15 for the box, $15 for the tape. Now it's going to be like $50 I'm, I'm, for the box, $30 for the tape. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The UPS now going to get a nice payday that the rest of the world's going to pay for. It's time to move over to FedEx. Ain't America great? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure FedEx is going to raise their rates too. They have a reason to. Their biggest competitor just went way up. Yeah. Of course, FedEx is not unionized like UPS is. Well, wasn't it? You know, not this last strike that uh, UPS went on, but the one before that, um, and they shut down. A lot of UPS customers tried to switch over to FedEx, and FedEx said, you know, we're going to take care of our current customers, um, but after they get off strike, if you want to move over, we'd be happy to have your business. And as soon as UPS got off strike, all these companies move over to FedEx because they never know when UPS is going to decide to shut down again for a strike. So I think UPS even lost some business over these kinds of things. UPS, if you're listening, might want to listen to us (laughs) and stop giving people... I mean, it's one thing to get a dollar raise, two dollar an hour raise, but why not a, a but five dollar raise. Why not a ten dollar raise, forty dollar oh, raise? True. Where do we draw the line? Well, remember, your buddy Bernie Sanders went around talking about how we needed to have fifteen bucks an hour. Says the guy who has like five mansions and makes all this money and says capitalism is the worst. And now UPS is over twenty, so why not every job? If you want to go flip a french fry you should get 21 dollars an hour well i mean that's the crazy thing though you look at mcdonald's you know they no longer have the dollar menu because they're like oh we need to raise minimum wage is that why i didn't know that and so now yeah because they have to they can no longer sell you something at a dollar when they have to pay someone else 15 16 17 dollars now they've got to raise it up in order to cover these new costs and people get let go because companies can't afford it megan you're making it tough for me i can no longer support ups and i no longer can support mcdonald's (laughs) I don't you know you what, can support it if you want. Just know this is why you no longer see cheaper prices. This is why fast food prices and prices everywhere are going up because federally, oh, $15 minimum wage. Let a company, if someone, there's employees out there, they're not even worth $15. And if you can't negotiate a better deal for yourself to sweep floors for more than a dollar an hour, then that's your fault. Yeah. One other business news to pass along. This affects some of our listeners in North Alabama. The Pentagon Space Development Agency this week awarded a $1.5 billion contract to Lockheed Martin and to Northrop Grumman. That contract awarded for prototype communications satellites. And they do some of that research and some of that development in the Huntsville area. The 72 satellites will be for the beta variant of its tranche to transport layer constellation i'm gonna have to go home and google that one (laughs) but yes a big contract from the gov as the pentagon working on a new award of a billion to 1.5 nearly two billion dollar contract to lockheed martin and to northrop grumman and that is a look at some of our southern business headlines of the day I'm going to head out to FedEx right now and get their rates. (laughs) When we come back, we're going to get our temperatures boiling even more. We're going to talk politics. Megan's here to help preview the Republican presidential debate. That's ahead on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent.
and welcome back into our final hour of the Y'all Show Wednesday edition. Alongside Megan Headwall, I'm John Rawl, and we have a full hour of conversation about the news headlines. We've got a lot of political talk. We're going to break down this Wednesday evening's Republican presidential debate coming to us from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We'll get Megan's thoughts on that. She's already told me there's some big, big stuff to talk about, so I can't wait to jump into that, and we will do that in the next segment. Before the hour is up, we've got a little Southern history to pass along. Today in history, those dang British burnt down Washington, D.C. back in the War of 1812. I'll let you know about that and some birthdays of some famous Southerners here on this day. If you'd like to be involved, we can have you be part of our program by emailing us. Our email address, mail at y'all.com. Let's dive into a few of the news headlines today. Sadly, in Mooresville, North Carolina, on Tuesday, the father of a current member of the Tennessee Titans was killed when the house exploded there just off of Lake Wiley. 61-year-old Robert M. Farley found dead in the debris of his Mooresville home. And he is the father of NFL player Caleb Farley, who plays currently for the Tennessee Titans. This explosion at this home, which was about a $2 million home, or at least that was the property value in that portion of the Charlotte area, it just blew up. you got to be very careful when you have homes that have, I'm not saying that's exactly what happened here, but it appears there was a gas explosion that caused this thing. And Do you have gas at your house? Yep. Are you scared? No. You have a uh, one of those things that kind of keeps track of a leak, a no. gas leak? No. Nope. Well, you need to be heading down to your local Dollar General right after this show, lady. <laughs> we don't want you to blow up on us. You already kind of blow up on us with your anger at times. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, this, this house was on a big plot of land right near Lake Norman. Did I say Lake Wiley earlier? They're both yeah. in that same area. Lake Norman is where this was. And it is a home listed at its property value of about $2 million. So it was a nice house. And it just totally blew up. And again, our thoughts with the Tennessee Titans with this family. Caleb Farley was the number 22 overall pick in the 2021 draft by the Titans. And they're going to be really struggling now with this sudden loss of his father. And our other headlines across the southeast today. Story out of Nashville, they have this special session going on where the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, has called in legislators to discuss gun control, gun reform, safety issues, other things, and a group of families from the Nashville school where that shooting happened back earlier in the year, they were silenced for a while from speaking, and that decision ultimately was changed. But Bill Lee having this special session, this I say this week, this thing might drag on for a while. I guess there's no rule about how long a special session as Tennessee lawmakers looking to perhaps explore the idea of of changing the laws of guns, gun control, and more in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, I think, isn't it too, you know, when we talked about mental health on Monday's segment, uh, why people don't seek mental health, I think with this new gun law that if somebody has a concern a family member or a disgruntled person uh they could say that they think that you're a danger to society and you're unsafe to which point it allows the tennessee government to come in and take your guns from you 
believe that's what I had read. So that's that's a reason when I ask why don't people seek mental help. That could be a reason why if this gets passed. Mm. Well, this is another chapter of our continuing battle with gun rights, gun control. If you're mm-hmm. not a person of gun rights and we're, we're sitting here having a constitutional issue being played out in Nashville, Tennessee yep. this week. And it could drag on for, for a while. Yeah. And emotions, they're already, I'm seeing something about, have you seen this about orange chairs? People are painting their furniture orange no. in Nashville to, I don't, I didn't quite get it myself, but the people that are passionate about this on both sides of the issue are not going to hold up. They're going to let you know their their emotions in nashville we saw earlier this year just after the covenant school shooting those three ma- lawmakers there raise heck mm-hmm. so much so that they become heroes to the left and yeah. and and go on national shows and get invited to the white house right well the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun so we'll see how this plays out we will see Elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast, Megan, a former mayor of a town here in the south, how would you like to have had a member of your county council be a, I won't say convicted, but a, a, he, he pleaded guilty to shoplifting? How would that stand in your town? You know, I think this happens more often than <laughs> we realize, even locally. Devin Keith, a Huntsville, Alabama city council member, has now pleaded guilty to two counts of misdemeanor shoplifting as he stole merchandise from three different Walmart stores in Huntsville. He's got to pay back $465 in restitution, Mm -hmm. and he's got to stay out of Walmart. Just a nice little slap on the wrist. You think? Oh, yeah. Now, the prosecutors there in Madison County, Alabama, say that this is the standard treatment for shoplifters. Do you buy buy that? I don't know. I'd have to look into it. Are you going to steal it? (laughs) Yeah, but uh, this guy's evidently still on the Huntsville city council huntsville is alabama's largest city he should be removed yep you think yeah all right you gonna take his job you heck no (laughs) (laughs) i would not recommend shoplifting anywhere but i definitely would not do it in a walmart especially when you're an elected official yeah that too i mean they're already stealing from taxpayers anyway so i mean i guess this is gonna come as a surprise stealing some more it's just what they do right Come on, it's Megan. It's a habit. <laughs> should know better. You should feel sorry for them. Hey, let's go down to Florida real quick, Megan. In Volusia County, no more Carolina squatting. Really? You know what that is? The the, the with the trucks. Yeah, yeah. They finally the tr- got rid of it. And in Volusia, they've already gotten rid of it in the Virginia and the Carolinas, but down in Florida, they evidently had not. And Volusia oh. County has now come up with an ordinance cracking down on front elevated vehicles. Doing the Carolina squat, Mm-mm. and do you know why it's a reason? The reason they have cracked down on it in Volusia County. I forget. We had it's a safety concern. Do you know what the safety concern is? No. So when you're up there in your pick 'em up truck uh-huh. that's boosted up like a Carolina squat does, you can't see out. And now, and over on the Atlantic beaches, and in, in, in a lot of cases along the Carolina coast, and down in Florida specifically, you can drive on the beach. In your car. Mm-hmm. And guess what? When you've got the Carolina squat going on in your truck, you can't really see what's out on the beach. You're going to need a booster seat. And you're going to dr- run over a person <laughs> out there laying out, getting a nice sun, uh-huh. suntan. Oh, yeah. That's not what I want to have happen. Be yeah. run over by right. a freaking truck doing the Carolina squat. It just looks so stupid. 
Some don't people, like the look. Your, your I know, definition opinion. of stupid may be completely different from somebody else. Somebody thinks that that's the best looking truck in the world and good for them. But Yep, no more Carolina squatting in Volusia <laughs> County. Sorry, there goes my vacation plans. <laughs> How about this story from Memphis? Walgreens stores are going to start playing classical music in the parking lots to get rid of people or the vagrants that are hanging out in the in the parking lots trying to get people's money you think that's a good idea i think it's going to create a nice relaxing calming environment so i think it's actually going to help these people i think they should be playing country music i think these 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 shoplifters are not these these aren't shoplifters these are people just hang outside all the time and uh at locations around poplar in memphis Mm -hmm. if you go there to do a little shopping don't be surprised by some of the classical sounds you might hear blaring out over the loudspeakers in the parking lot Mike Tyson's cannabis brand is coming to the Magnolia State of Mississippi. It's a medical marijuana called Tyson 2.0, and it's coming to Mississippi in a partnership with Southern Sky Brands. The CEO of Tyson 2.0 says they're thrilled to bring this exceptional cannabis product to Mississippi, and their mission has always been to provide a champion-level experience to consumers and now, residents of the Magnolia State can relish the sophisticated flavors of Knockout OG and Pound for Pound Cake. With more to come in our continuous quest to deliver the finest cannabis in the industry. Does that sound like something you would enjoy having? No. A little Mike Tyson cannabis? No, not me personally. Okay. <laughs> well, you can get your Tyson 2.0 soon. This cannabis medical marijuana in the state of Mississippi. You don't have any... You don't have any medical issues that you could probably benefit from? No. Nobody's ever come and knocked you on the arm? No, I can deal with that stuff. <laughs> You'll knock them back. I'm All right. Back, yeah. That's our medical cannabis story of the week, thanks to Mike Tyson. And that wraps up our news headlines for this final hour of the Y'all Show. When we come back, Megan is excited. I'm going to have to get some medical cannabis for this one (laughs) because we're going to talk about this Wednesday evening Republican presidential debate in Milwaukee that President Trump's already said, I ain't coming, but we'll get Megan's take on it and and what she expects. All that is right ahead as we continue with this Y'all Show Wednesday edition. I've been selling my soul Working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay So I can sit out here and waste my life away Drag back home and drown my troubles away It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to For people like me, people like you Wish I could just wake up and it not be true But it is, oh it is wanted me to play that song megan you didn't tell me it had bad words i hadn't but you know what that song's the number one song in the freaking country right now can i say a bad word no (laughs) rich men north of richmond i like the guy's voice i would say he's got a southern voice there oliver anthony 
this is I, I had never heard this song until Friday and I heard it twice including on WTJS FM by the way uh, I had never heard and I, I, I claim to be Megan I guess I'm a fraud I claim to be a country music expert <laughs> and this song was the number one song I'd never heard of it because it's come out of nowhere it's already got over 35 million views on YouTube, Richmond, North of Richmond, Oliver Anthony. All right, we're not going to talk about that, but the reason Megan said, hey, play that song because it is political in nature. Yeah. Talking about the rich men north of Richmond. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of those guys that are trying to be president in 2024. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have a few of them a chance to get up there on TV on this Wednesday evening and talk about how they deserve to be the Republican nominee. Megan Headwall, what is going on? On Fox News Channel this Wednesday evening in Milwaukee. We're about to watch the RNC debate. We are? You're yes. going to watch it? I kind of want Because Trump's got his own counter-programming with Tucker Carlson planned. Yeah, I think that's actually going to peel away a lot of viewers. Not you? No. Okay. I like watching the fight. <laughs> well, I don't think there will be a fight. No. The only fight will be... A verbal. Is who's going to try to stay... I won't say loyal, but aligned with Donald Trump. I would call Vivek Ramaswamy as one of those who he hasn't pulled a punch against Trump. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, DeSantis hasn't done the Chris Christie and the Asa Hutchinson route of only that's the only reason they're in the race. Well, and that's what I think is going to be interesting to see is Trump's not going to be there. It'll be interesting to see how many of these candidates actually attack Trump versus taking this opportunity and speaking on the issues so yeah but but you're excited there'll be eight of them up on stage with ramaswamy and Rhonda Sanders right there in the middle yeah and that's usually where the top people end up being yeah a few people barely even made it into it but they did make it into it including the former arkansas governor and senator asa hutchinson mm -hmm. qualifying well and the, have you seen the qualifications like in order to do this debate, they have to have at least 40,000 individual donors. Uh, they have a requirement of 200 of those donors from at least have to be in 20 different states. There's a polling requirement. They have to submit like three national polls of where they're at least at 1%. And then they also have to sign this beat Biden where it's a loyalty pledge to support whoever the GOP nominee is going to be. So... There's actually been some issues on this from Larry Elder, who's running. He met all of these qualifications, and um, the RNC said, nope, we're not accepting them, based on one of his polls, his national polls, that uh, he submitted from Raspin. The RNC said, oh, no, that's affiliated with Donald Trump and his campaign, to which Larry Elder reached out and Raspin said, nope, we are in no way affiliated with the Trump campaign. The RNC has no reason not to accept this outcome and this information because they continually quote and use our information. And uh, Larry Elder pointed out that he's been trying to go through this the correct way, asking for donations and all this, where other candidates who are going to be up on stage this evening are uh, one of them offered $20 gift certificates for a $1 donation. Who was that? He didn't say the names. Another one offered a free country western concert for a dollar donation. And another offered a commission to prospective donors to get other prospective donors 
to feed into their campaigns. And uh, Mr. Elder has said that if they do not allow him to, to debate tonight, he will file an injunction against them. And it's got so much attention that even Carrie Lake has come out and said, just hung up with Larry Elder, and he has told me that the RNC will not allow him at the debate. He has three polls showing him at 1%. Larry is an important voice. He speaks eloquently and the school choice and education about school choice and education freedom more so than anyone I know. And we all know that Carrie is a huge Trump supporter, but I think Larry should be up on that stage. We'll give him some money. <laughs> he already has the money. So Doug Burgum, there's some developing stories today from him. He has injured himself, evidently. And there's a question about after he's been injured playing basketball, if he's going to appear on this debate. Hmm. How about that? Playing basketball could keep you out of a Republican presidential debate. Sounds like he should have been focusing on other things. Which this is probably the best headline he's had during his whole time. This guy who is, what is he, the North Dakota mayor? Oh, Burgum? Maybe. I think I he is. Know. North Dakota's Doug Burgum had to go to a Milwaukee emergency room on Tuesday after suffering this injury while playing a game of pickup basketball. Maybe he was playing with Obama. <laughs> playing with his staff, actually. And he may not end up at the debate after all after this uh, injury. So basketball's bad. <laughs> did you ever see Obama shoot basketball? No, I did not. Oh, you know, he was Mr. Basketball, and he had a, a he has this court. I guess there's a court there even for Biden at the White House. And Biden was showing off his basketball skills. Did he fall over? No, he, he shot about 15 shots. Go look it up on YouTube sometime. <laughs> He shot about 15 times, and he bricked every one of them. He didn't make a single shot. It's that's hilarious <laughs> for this guy that's Mr. Basketball, a guy that, remember, the networks would go run to the White House every time March Madness would roll around, mm-hmm. and Obama would have his March Madness picks. It's like the biggest news story ever. Sickening. <laughs> Sickening. Anyway, back to the Republican side. I'm sorry when I start talking about Obama. I need to get some of that medical cannabis. <laughs> So we got the Republican primary. Trump, again, saying earlier in the week that he's not coming. Good decision? I think so. I think we've seen other Republicans in the past do this when they're so far ahead leading the polls. They won't debate because there's no reason for them to debate. I think the reason isn't because of the opponents. I think Trump's not going because he's mad at Fox. That's part of it, too. I mean, that's why he's teamed up with Tucker Carlson. (laughs) Just a little slap in the face. This is a a little... um, a little uh, playground fight he's got with with fox and the murdoch family and so he's not going to appear in these first two presidential debates he'll probably end up in the third one but but by that time you'll see some of these people that will be on stage maybe have ended their campaigns and there'll be fewer people up on stage i think trump's a master when it comes to debating he's he's hilarious he's great he is fun to watch however like even watching the he and biden debate you know he had to keep slamming home what a moron joe biden was and is and he just needed to shut up and let joe biden sink himself into the hole because Mm. it just made trump look bad true confession i didn't see a single one of those biden trump debates i I didn't have an interest in it i I had it i like like i said i like to watch the debates i forced my family to watch it with me i don't think they were too (laughs) interested in it but I think it was maybe because COVID was going on. I don't know. I just didn't have any interest in that. Does that make me a, a bad American? No. Okay. 
I was in my basement. Unless, unless you unless you have your head in the sand and I was you in don't my know basement. what's going on. So was Joe. Yeah. <laughs> not, not during some of those, though. So we got that going on. Uh, what about the response? Do you see, uh, if you had to predict, who's going to come out of this thing on this Wednesday evening with a positive? Well, I'd like to say Ron DeSantis and Larry Elder if they'll let him up on stage, but I think they, especially Larry Elder, has a good message to get out there, but I think he's too conservative for the Republican Party. You think? Yeah, I think that's why they don't want him up there. You know, and here, send your hate mail to me. Republicans are just a few steps behind the Democrats. They're very, they're both circling the toilet bowl. One's just going a little bit quicker than the other in case you're wondering which one it's democrats but yeah okay so elder you thinks too what what's what in the world's he doing living in california well he's trying to speak truth i mean when they had the newsome recall when that was up and uh larry elder got over three million like votes he would have been the governor if it had gone through of california but yeah but it didn't it didn't but there's people who strive to stick around in these bad environments trying to make a change and trying to speak truth but sometimes, me being one of those people who have stuck around in those kinds of situations, sometimes you're just spitting in the wind. And, yep. <laughs> so, who's going to, if you had to guess, who's not going to do too well during this Republican primary maybe, debate? Maybe Chris Christie. You don't I, think? No, I think his focus is too much on attacking Trump. And, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll see him change directions. Because I think at this point... There's some of these candidates, I feel, probably are trying to set themselves up to be the vice president. So we'll see what happens. It should All be right. fun. Well, we'll have seven men and one woman up there as uh, Nikki Haley will be the only female. And I'm hoping that she won't have the best of nights. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised we're not seeing more of her. But she, 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 she likes to go around saying that she's never lost a race. Well... This might change. Yeah, <laughs> she it might. Have it to might stop but I'm telling you, she's she's a, she's sneaky, and she's gonna find a way to keep going. You know, she called Trump before she announced to tell him that she was gonna run, not to get his blessing, to tell him, "I'm coming for you." I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that that's got uh, that's got to crawl at Trump. I don't think she would be a vice presidential candidate for him in 2024. No. So. We, we, we're going to have this going on on Fox with the Republicans. I've already seen the Democratic chairman up in Milwaukee, so he has his response to what the Republicans say during this debate. And then Trump and and Tucker Carlson, I don't know why they did this. Their, their counter-programming was already recorded earlier in the week. It would have been neat to see them do it live, maybe even just slightly after the Republican thing just to kind of go after what some of those people said. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe they did it, they pre-recorded it, so that way they could kind of hone in on what Trump wanted to say, you know, have the questions ahead of time and maybe go back and reevaluate. Who knows? So, or maybe it's so that he can watch the debate and see what people say, make notes. Mm -hmm. That way it takes his focus off of that he can focus on this well trump needs to focus on a few things including being arrested yeah he's got that coming up on thursday what do you think of that i did see bear with me one minute um i did see that 
According to Newsmax, Republican lawmakers in Georgia are working on ways to sanction Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. The prosecutor brought criminal charges against former President Donald Trump and 18 co-defendants, including the use of new state law, including the use of a new state law that creates a commission that can punish or throw out prosecutors. So it actually looks like those Republican lawmakers in Georgia are actually coming after willis for this well you said they're looking into it i i saw that one person a state senator there in georgia looking to impeach her mm. maybe the same yeah same effect but i think with brian kemp the governor he's going to be going against it he wants he wants this whole trump thing to go away of course his tenure as governor of georgia will be going away fairly soon too and i wonder what's next for him but the ongoing political problems of georgia but we got the whole country more in focus here on this wednesday as we've got the republican presidential debate in milwaukee wisconsin and megan's going to be watching yeah you sure you don't want to phone in and give us your (laughs) your full report no that's okay of how it all worked out that's okay well we're looking forward to it megan thank you very much we will see you back here on monday monday Stay tuned. When the Y'all Show comes back, we've got a focus on Southern history. Today in history, the War of 1812 was going on, and Washington, D.C. went up in flames. We'll tell you all about it next. took a little trip along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. We took a little bacon and we took a little beans and we caught the bloody British in a town in New Orleans. We fired our guns and the British kept a-coming. There wasn't as many as there was a while ago. We fired once more and they began to run it on down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. We looked down the river and we see the British come And there must have been a hundred of them beating on the drum They stepped so high and they made the bugles ring We stood beside our cotton bales and didn't say a thing We fired our guns and the British kept a-coming There wasn't as many as there was a while ago We fired once more and they began to run it On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico Old Hickory said we could take them by surprise If we didn't fire muskets till we looked them in the eye We held our fire till we see their faces well Then we opened up our squirrel guns and really gave them well We fired our guns and the British kept a-coming There wasn't as many as there was a while ago We fired once more and they began to run it On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico All right, so when you Google War of 1812 music that one probably is the number one out there that you can find. Johnny Horton's Battle of New Orleans. Welcome back at y'all's show, Wednesday edition, wrapping things up with a little Southern history and a little Southern fun. Love Johnny Horton. Man, what a career he had until he died in a car wreck. A car wreck that he predicted that he would have. Yeah, If you ever get a chance, go look up the death of Johnny Horton, who had that song right there. And he also had Johnny Reb and north to alaska and so many other great songs back in the late 1950s and early 1960s yes we do have the war of 1812 on our mind thanks to johnny horton and it's not the battle of new orleans with old hickory fighting there in new orleans no it's dolly madison and others on our mind because it was this week in american history and southern history 
that Washington, D.C. fell to the daggum Brits. The burning of Washington, D.C. happened on this date in 1814. Hmm. Did you realize that? Yes, you probably do barely remember that, but the British Army, led by Major General Robert Ross, marched on Washington City, as it was then called, and they set fire to multiple, multiple government and military buildings, including the presidential mansion, which would become the White House, and they also set fire to the United States Capitol. And this attack on Washington City was retaliation for American actions in Upper Canada. Remember, American forces during the War of 1812 went across the, the lines between Canada and the United States and attacked toward Montreal as we were trying, we as in the United States, were hoping to maybe unify Canada and the United States to be one country. That was some of the thinking going on at that time. But it was this day in history that Washington went up in flames and the commander of the United States at that time was James Madison. And you probably know the story from your young years of Dolly Madison, the first lady trying to save the White House, the wife of James Madison. But that White House would be sent up in flames, the presidential mansion, as it went in flames on this day in 1814. And the second White House, I believe, is what we know today. The second White House, I don't know if it has a nickname in terms of architecture or the style or more, but back after the fire, President Madison resided in what's called the Octagon House. And it's evidently still in existence. I didn't know that. The Octagon House was the executive mansion of the United States after the War of 1812. Before ultimately this more current White House would be built. And we saw our leaders of this country live there on Pennsylvania Avenue all these years since. But I also want to remind you that the U.S. Capitol was a victim of the War of 1812 and this assault on Washington, D.C. in 1814. And we remember that on this date as it was a tragic event in American history. But how about the ability of this country to overcome its national capital being taken over and burnt to the ground and still winning the war, if you want to call the War of 1812 a a victory? Thanks in part to some of the great efforts of people like Andrew Jackson if you know anything about the Battle of New Orleans that battle actually wasn't even necessary the peace treaty had already been signed before the war that battle happened in New Orleans which is a tragic twist of fate but Andrew Jackson's troops there definitely with a big victory there at the Battle of New Orleans and that gave this fledgling country the United States an opportunity to once again Embarrass what had been the most powerful country on earth, Great Britain. And we know from that where this country, where it's gone. We are arguably the world's superpower. I say arguably because I don't, based on all the amount of money and weapons given to places like Ukraine lately, I don't know how many really good weapons we got left. I don't know about our leadership. I don't know about a lot of things. 
but at least we can put something up on the moon. Did you see where this week the Russian Federation had a space launch and it went up to the moon and it crashed onto the moon? These people don't know what they're doing over there in the old Soviet Union. China is our biggest threat. We'll keep an eye on them, but uh, China wasn't much of a factor in the War of 1812, and we remember that fateful day this week right here on the Y'all Show. Vera Miles was born on this date as she, American actress, born in 1929. Vera is now 94 years old today, born in Boise City, Oklahoma. She grew up in Kansas. She was crowned Miss Kansas in 1948, and she was a third runner-up in the Miss America contest, but she moved to L.A. after all the beauty pageant days and got involved in movies and more. She signed a five-year contract with Albert Hitchcock, and she was widely publicized as Hitchcock's potential successor to Grace Kelly. If you like the old movies and more, you're probably familiar with Vera Miles, who turns 94 years old today. I'm going to go through some of her films in a second. But she got started in film work in the early 1950s. She was in a movie called Two Tickets to Broadway, also in the movie Pride of the Bluegrass, was in movies throughout the 50s and 60s. She was in Psycho 2, you saw that movie back in the 1980s and her last movie role was 1995's Separate Lives and TV she started out on the Fireside Theater with an appearance there and then how about this I missed this one when it aired this series called The Schlitz Playhouse of Stars <laughs> she was in that back in the 50s and then she again was a big part of her acting is known what she did on the Alfred Hitchcock Presents series she was on that she was on a TV show called Route 66. She was also on several episodes of Bonanza. She played the role of Miss April Christopher on Bonanza. And she was also on three episodes of My Three Sons. Got a, a classic, uh, classic television actress and movie actress. She was even on a Columbo episode, Lovely But Lethal, playing the role of Vivica Scott. Today, again, the birthday of actress Vera Miles turning 94 years young. Also today, we've got uh, a birthday for a Wilmington, North Carolina-born athlete. Today is the birthday of Sonny Jurgensen, born in Wilmington in 1934. He's 89 years young today. This former quarterback for the Duke Blue Devils and then a longtime quarterback in the NFL playing for the Philadelphia Eagles and then more notably for the Washington Redskins. With the Eagles, he actually helped lead them to an NFL championship back in the 1960 season and then went on to play for the Redskins where he's now in the Redskins Commander's Ring of Fame and he's also in the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame. Sonny Jurgensen, born in Wilmington and went to school there at New Hanover in the Wilmington area before choosing to go to Duke University where he played football for the Blue Devils in the mid-1950s 
and help them, believe it or not, Duke won an ACC title while he was there in the 54 season, I believe is what it was. And then Duke played Nebraska in the 1955 Orange Bowl, and Duke beat Nebraska 34-7. to What a tremendous run there for the Blue Devils when Sonny Jurgensen was there having ACC championships and Orange Bowl wins along the way. Duke, in his final year, lost their season opener to fellow ACC member at that time, South Carolina. And that was Duke's first ACC loss in quite some time. And his college career there that final year did not work out so great. But he ended up going to the Eagles and having a fantastic run for both them and the Washington Redskins. Sonny Jurgensen, again, still with us, thankfully, the retired NFL and great college quarterback who went on to be in the Redskins radio broadcast booth for a long time, too, doing color commentary. Sonny Jurgensen, birthday today. Happy 89th birthday. And lastly, in our birthdays of the day, want to wish a happy birthday to another person who's got a little age on them, but a very, very well-deserved birthday salute. Nancy Ritchie, born in San Angelo, Texas, in 1942, Nancy turning 81 today. Nancy Ritchie is a great tennis player as she won two major singles title, the Australian Championship of 1967, and she won the French Open in 1968, and then won several women's double titles back in the 1960s. A champion of two different majors in women's tennis the French and the Australian and this Texas lady Nancy Ritchie did that she's had quite a career and she's in the International Tennis Hall of Fame inducted there in the year 2003 Nancy Ritchie happy birthday now let's work on your backhand for just a moment just kidding that's my weakness when it comes to tennis that's why I don't play too often and if I really sit here and think about it, most all of my tennis game is is like, yeah, what am I talking about? I haven't played tennis competitively in 30 years, <laughs> maybe 40 years. And, and I just got a bigger kick out of just slamming the ball just, just, just to have a, a stupid time out there. That's a hard sport, y'all. Tennis is, is a great sport. It, it gets that heart pumping and you'll have a great workout for sure if you're a tennis player. And I know two guys personally who were well into their late 80s who have played lots of tennis throughout their lives. And you know what? Those two octogenarians, for the most part, still have active lives. They look good. They're slim. Their minds are good. And one of them still drives. The other one can't drive because of their eyesight. But but they're still able to see a little bit, but they're not able to have... They're not they're not legally blind, I guess would be the term. But they were very good tennis players, and I think they even have played tennis against each other from time to time. So it's a good sport. It, it pays off. Maybe a little bit more fit if you get into tennis than swinging a golf club. 
I like my golf, but I just think of the walrus when I think of golf sometimes. I think of other <laughs> I think of John Daly for goodness sakes. You know, if he plays his golf as much as he supposedly plays it, uh why does he look the way he does? Of course he's also out there puffing on a cigarette a fair amount of time, but tennis legend again with a birthday today and that wraps up our southern history spotlight for this wednesday y'all show and i want to thank y'all for listening and and for being a part of us and then you can always catch the y'all show in podcast form as we're available on iHeartRadio, apple tune in we're on spotify podcast of apple and and also apple itunes and you just pull out that phone and and listen to us when you're able to have a few extra moments now don't do what i just saw happen when i was out eating my lunch on tuesday so i complained earlier in the week about having to be around people who sat there and had conversations on the telephone while you're doing your business next to them i had something happen to me on tuesday that doesn't often happen so i'm at my lunch spot having a good meal and this knucklehead over here next to me, not only do they answer the telephone, which is not the world's biggest crime when you're having a meal. I, I'm guilty of talking on the phone, too. But they put it on speakerphone, okay? So do do I really want to hear that other person while I'm having my meal? And does that other person really want to have their voice be heard throughout the entire restaurant, which is what that person was having happen to them on Tuesday? And if that's not enough, the person says, oh, I'm over here with, they had somebody else at their table. Don't you want to talk to this person? And so the other person holds the phone and they're like, hey, what's up? What's up? I mean, what what, what can you say? These are people that I don't even think knew each other that well, but they're having to have a telephone conversation via speakerphone inside a dadgum restaurant. Come on, people. That should be a fine that should be a crime. We need to put these people in jail for bad telephone etiquette. Or am I just getting too old? <laughs> but you can listen to the Y'all Show again. Put your speakers on, though, as a courtesy to everybody else when you're listening to it. Unless you're wanting to get out there and represent us and have people say, Hey, wait, what was that I heard over there? Was that, sh- was that a show about the South? You darn right it was. And we're proud to talk about the South each and every time we get together here on the program that shakes the Southland, we are the Y'all Show. Well, that will wrap up this Wednesday edition. Join us Thursday. We're going to have a full show. Lots of social media activity, country music news. Our spotlight school will be the Universities of Mississippi. And then we'll have all the great festivals hitting the South this weekend. All that featured on our Thursday Y'all Show. Until that time, check us out at y'all.com, the South's homepage. Y'all have a great rest of your Wednesday. Wednesday.